Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping the worlds of jazz, soul and blues. My change-making guest today is Lavinia Stennett, founder and CEO of The Black Curriculum, a social enterprise supporting the teaching of black history all year round and empowering students with a greater sense of identity and belonging. Aware from an early age of the lack of diversity in the UK curriculum, it was on a scholarship at New Zealand's Waikato University that Lavinia was inspired by their commitment to teaching Indigenous culture and its history. As she says, it dawned on me there was a lack of education around the impacts of colonialism, but more specifically, a lack of narratives that showcase the reclamation of our culture and history. Lavinia founded the Black Curriculum in 2019 to improve British education. They deliver arts-focused programmes and teacher training to empower all young people in the UK to recognise that this country has always been diverse. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for coming in. Tell me about this thing you've set up, because we're now in 2021, and I think when people think about the words Black Lives Matter and when they think about the changes that have happened, at least since the pandemic hit, the acceleration of people's consciousness around rights for all sorts of things, whether it's women's rights, whether it's people of different cultures' rights, all, all sorts of things, the, the environment. I feel like we're in a, in a very interesting moment. Why did you decide, before all of that, to do something about what you were feeling? Yeah, so the Black Curriculum, it's just a social enterprise at its heart that is really dedicated to making sure that all students across the UK are empowered with a sense of identity and belonging. So I come from the perspective that Currently, education is it's a fundamental human right and every young person deserves an accessible education that is accurate, reflective of them and their experiences and actually shapes them for the future. The Black Curriculum was really just generated from seeing a lot of issues with the education system from my own experiences, but also people around me not getting Black history in a way that was empowering or taught all year round as well. So I think... It was yeah born from frustration, but also being able to see the connections between how British colonialism has really kind of spanned across the whole world. And there's such a lack of awareness about the impact that it's had and also how that translates to what our current reality is, not only within education, but also society. Mm. So that really kind of crystallised when I was in New Zealand and gave me the inspiration to make sure that the Black curriculum was something that is for everybody all year. But do you think, I mean, many people would have followed the same path as you. They would have chosen to study a subject that mattered to them mm. and then they go off and do something else. What do you think it is about you that said, you know what, this is so important to me that I'm going to do something about it for people beyond me? Because you could have, and many people do this, would have said, well, I've been educated, I know it, and now I'm going to go and work in a bank. Right. Why, why didn't you do that? Because it's not about me. I'm part of an ecosystem. Whilst I feel like I have been you know, affected by a lot of the issues within education and being disenfranchised by that, I see and I understand what it's like to be on the outside of that and not really have, you know, the right support systems and also just the trust that I think teachers and people who are gatekeepers of young people need to give to young people. So I think for me, it's more than just 
yeah, I guess a journey of self-development, but more about what can we do for other people. And I'm just very disciplined as as well. Like I think once I realised that it was something that I am passionate about, I will just follow it. You were talking earlier about the fact it isn't just about you. Most people in life, it is just about them. Where do you think in your upbringing you had the sense of the world beyond you is a really important thing and that, you know, you ought to give. Was that part of the way you were parented or did that come completely from your own experience of life? Um, That's a really good question. I think there's some events in life that make you a lot more, and depending on the context that you're in, um, make you a lot more kind of individualistic. But my community has always been very collective and... I'm from a Jamaican background, which I think has really influenced the way that I see the world. Um, church was a huge part of my upbringing, being able to just share elements of my my culture and who I am. Yeah, it's just a part of who we are as a you know as a people. However, I do think that that kind of did change me after education when I was kicked out in year eight. I think I saw the world from a very like me lens, and I think that really kind of put me on the other on the other side to see how anger and also frustration actually shapes your identity. But I found a community through that anger when I was in college. And I think having that kind of outlet, but also practice, and then following that through university really helped me to see, and it crystallized as well, what we could do to shape that kind of um, experience that I had outside of college into something meaningful. And, you know, that was done through a lot of society work and activism in university, and I couldn't have done it myself. It was everybody's kind of collective effort. But back back to the year eight moment, and you know, I read about you, and it said you're you're excluded. I think yeah. once, or was it was it more twice. than like twice? Thirteen year old Lavinia, yeah, that transition from thirteen year old you to university. What's the personal journey like to go from it's all about me to this young person sitting in front of me now, mm. who's doing incredible things, who's making a real difference to, as you described it, the ecosystem, as it were, because you're part of it. What were the two or three key things that happened between that Lavinia and this one now? I'd say a change in the friends that I was around, firstly. I think, well, there's the saying, like, birds of a feather flock together. And if you're around a community that isn't uplifting you and empowering you, you're not really going to have much of a insight or just understanding as to what is possible. So I think, you know, the first thing is just having a, a good community, mentoring as well. I had a very good mentor and it wasn't like, oh, I can help you with, you know, your UCAS and everything but it was more about what do you want from life and how can I support you just to even wake up in the morning and her name was Natasha and she's still in my life today and I think that really helped me and I think going forward that has been something that I've made sure continues as well and I'd also say just following my passions I think I didn't really have the opportunity to do so in school so being able to go to college and have that just for me was just the thing that just turned it the other way. And then as we move towards the moment when you decide to set this thing up, just tell me a little bit about that, the months leading up to the creation of your baby. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, It was sacrifice, really, because I was in my second year of university and it wasn't a opportunity that, you know, SOAS just gave. It was, I had to apply for it. And it was a very weird time because it fell in our summer. And if you know, like American and New Zealand semesters, they are very different to our kind of terms. So the scholarship was for June to September, which is the middle of our summer. So after I finished my second year, I went straight back and it was literally very intense. I just felt that there was just 
a lot on my mind, not only because I was in university listening to so much talks around reparations, listening to, you know, the impacts of colonialism. Um, but then I also had this very meaningful opportunity to just just observe. And so it was very peaceful, but intense, if that makes sense. And I think when I was out there, it really helped me to just digest everything that I had learned on a practical level from SOAS. Stay with me to find out much more from my business shaper, Lavinia Senate. She's the CEO and founder of the Black Curriculum. She'll be back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions. They can be found on all of the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dreyer's Martha Averly and Matt Robinson talk about equity, diversity and inclusion with regards to recruitment and how employers can recruit in a fair but diverse way. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. Even if a business is acting with noble aims in terms of trying to recruit in a diverse and inclusive way, it may still be acting unlawfully by acting outside the limits set out in the Equality Act 2010. Matt, do you have any practical steps employers can take to recruit in an inclusive but lawful way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first one, which I think is something that people have been doing for a while now, is to try and use blind recruitment strategies. Studies show unconscious bias towards particular names and, you know, people going to certain universities or schools. Now, obviously, this is something that's easier to do at the beginning stages in terms of sifting CVs. But you can also look at early stage interviews in large recruitment processes where you send candidates written questions, for example, then as the process develops into face-to-face calls and meetings, you know, obviously it's not possible to continue that. But the idea is that by that point, you'll have broadened out the diversity of the pool of candidates in the later stages of the process. Another example is unconscious bias training. Now, obviously, there has been some recent negative press around unconscious bias training. I know the government don't seem to appreciate it, but I think What it can help people realize is that we all have biases and there is concern and evidence that people often want to recruit in their own image. And when your existing workforce isn't diverse in the first place, then that lack of diversity is perpetuated. So, you know, whilst it is difficult to apply in practice, I think if you ensure that people involved in these recruitment processes or promotion decisions are aware of their biases, it may increase the diversity of the candidates that are ultimately selected. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you have a smart speaker, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find a taster of our recent shows. But back to today's guest, the main event is Lavinia Stennett. She's founder and CEO of The Black Curriculum, a social enterprise supporting the teaching of black history all year round and empowering students with a greater sense of identity and belonging. What I noticed when I did my research into you and, and, and into the organization is that I've mentioned that you're young. You, age is irrelevant, but it's, it's relevant to this, to this particular point. Your social media presence is pretty significant in a couple of years. You have chosen, I imagine, digital channels to raise awareness. Yeah. You know, thousands of people mm-hmm. in, in different places. Do you also find when you meet people and engage different organizations and Marks and Spencer in, are involved and I think Universal Music has involved great people, that there is a generational 
issue around understanding what it is you're trying to do? Or is it nothing to do with age and simply to do with a person's mindset? Mm, Good question. I would say that the intersections of our identities mean that we process things very differently. In the age of social media, there is definitely much more awareness and I guess a need to do something to change kind of the society that we're living in. And I find that, you know, through the research, particularly in the early days of the Black Curriculum, when we were just trying to understand the issue, it was not only young people, but also older people who were saying, and their experiences were just parallel. We haven't learned Black history and this is wrong because, you know, I don't know myself. I don't really know, you know, the history of our country. And there's no way to kind of challenge that. So there was an alignment, you know, when it came to different age groups. However, we do see, though, that in terms of like, action-oriented things it has to come from somebody and this is just persons who just have a willingness to just be a little bit uncomfortable perhaps or just have an edge for learning Mm. Um, I think we can get to a certain place in life where I think we close down to new ideas or our ideas are more kind of concretized and we I guess have a lot more resistance towards seeing things in a different way or, or challenging the assumptions that we have. So it's a, it, it's a polite way of saying when you're older, you stop being as open. Not necessarily. But mainly, it can be. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> I think there is like, you know, my mum's a great example. She was the one in the end that was teaching me things about black history that she picked up after I was doing my degree. And I was like, with that kind of willingness and passion is amazing. And it doesn't necessarily align with her age or mm. what I would expect typically of someone who's a lot older than me. The hashtag TBH365, teaching black history, or to be honest as well, is what I read, TBH, which I quite like. I recall over the years a very well-meaning Black History Month. And I guess your point is, excuse me, this never ends. And if you don't have it on, if the tap is not always on, you're not going to have as good a chance to help people understand their own history, if their history is a Wimrush community history, which I believe your yours is on on one side, mm-hmm. or or if indeed it's it's someone that, who's not black who doesn't understand black history and who says no no that's what well I assume it's just that and it and it isn't. Tell me about the team that you assembled in the early days to make sure that you could bring this all to life because that's a big it's a big thing to do to try and change, mm. isn't it? To make to turn the tap on the whole time. Mm. Explain to me a little bit about how you found the right people and you knew what to do. Sure. So I knew firstly that once we got the grant to launch the Black Curriculum that we needed people who could actually have the skill set to assemble this curriculum to put together. So for me, it was just who do I know, who's in my networks that I can just ask to help And I have a friend, Shireen, who has a group for black women where I met Lisa Kennedy and Bethany Thompson. And they, in the initial first months, helped to kind of like build in, you know, the right team that we needed for the future. So we hired freelancers after that. And then, you know, we were a team of 12. We put together the syllabus made up of people from SOAS, mainly people that I was studying with or people who went to SOAS before. And we just worked together to build this curriculum. So it was literally just people who had expertise in just the knowledge of what kind of black history needed to be on the curriculum. And then I'd say also just myself being able to just orchestrate how it looks and, mm. yeah, so the assembly. So the, the, the substance is great. And, and then you go, now I've got to amplify this and actually get the high level of awareness. And, I, and I've read about M&S being involved and I've read about actually Lush being involved, the Mayor of London and then Universal Music, which I mentioned. How did you, was it you personally that went in and said, right, this is what we're doing and this is why you should be involved? Is it that simple? Mm. No. One... 
think not it would at be. all. In the early days, there was just an underlying fire between a very small group of freelancers and myself as to making sure that this would work. And I think, you know, before we had all the followers, before we had all these big corporates, you know, you know behind our work, it was literally three of us, myself, Ilhan and Safar, emailing schools, cold calling loads and loads of schools, just saying, this is the product you need. You need to have this in your schools. You know, you're missing out. October's, you know, coming up fast. Three schools got back to us saying, yeah, right, like we get you, come in, roll it. And I think once we had that and had the confirmation of what we already really knew, it really kind of just helped to bring us onto a path where nobody could really argue that this wasn't something that was needed. I think once we got into the school, it kind of just helped to just amplify the work that we're doing. Getting the partners and working with them as well has been something that has helped me to just open my mind as to how to work and engage with different parts of society because, you know, working within the education system, that's the main kind of core concept of what we're trying to do is, you know, building in that sense of identity and belonging. But amplifying that work, you have to learn how to negotiate. You have to learn how to also have like shared interests and ways that they're going to benefit from that is when I think for me it's like well if this is for young people and the society that they're in how can for example Lush play a really good role in making that happen and you know we have good people on the team who have also been fundamental to making these partnerships happen I think the key of it is just how can we support each other to make sure that this shared goal becomes a reality but most of the partnerships came in after June 2020 which is straight after Black Lives Matter. I also, um, sounds like I've done a lot of research today, but I just, it, it just, there was just so much to cover for, for, for so few years on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, winner, you are of the anti-racist campaign at the Marie Claire Future Shapers Award 2020. You're in the Sunday Times 50 Women of the Year 2020. Trailblazer of the Year at the Hello Magazine Star Women Awards 2020. Featured in the Duke and Duchess of Sussex list of next-gen trailblazers 2020, recognising individuals who challenge prejudice and contribute to British society. I'm sure when you started this, you set out to do none of those things, as in you wouldn't, you don't, you know, just just meeting even in the, the last few minutes, it's like, yeah, whatever, that's really nice, and that probably helps you do what you want to do, but it's yeah. not for Lavinia as such, I imagine. But my question is actually, you mentioned the team and you talk... It's very interesting when I ask that question because people sometimes just talk about the team and other people name names and you name names. What would they say about you, do you think? What do they say to you? How open is that culture yeah. within the organisation? Yeah. Um, In terms of the style of your leadership because great, right. lovely big ticks on accolades. Right, right. But what's the real deal? Right, what's the real deal? I think people would say that I'm very like, I'm open. If I'm doing something wrong, I want to know from you. And I, I make sure that there's the forums and I have the right kind of communication style to get that feedback. So I'd say people would say well, within my team that, you know, I want things to be transparent and I like problems. I like to have problems to sort out. So I lead with compassion. I hope I'm not like, yeah, 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 tick, tick, tick. But I'd say one of my points I want to get stronger on, and I think the team will notice this as well, is communication. Oh, Lord, I think a lot of things, but sometimes I just don't. It's not that I don't think to say it, it's just, I just don't say it. So I think they will probably say she just needs to work a little bit more on communicating more, which I am doing, so, yeah. Well, that's what you're going to be working on. And now we've just done your appraisal. You've done it for yourself. That's brilliant. Stay with me for a bit more from Livinia Stenich, my business shaper today, talking about what comes next for her personal development and her leadership style. She's now, she's looking pensive now. She's thinking, what else do I need to work on? <laughs> I'm sure you're doing a brilliant job. My final chat's coming up with her. And we've got a classic from Billie Holiday. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. 
Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. I've been talking to Lavinia Stennett. She's been my business shaper today. And we've been talking about the black curriculum. So here we are in 2021. And as you said, a lot of the sponsors, the corporate support that you pushed for, that you haggled for, came on board after the Black Lives Matter and probably the death of George Floyd at that time really raised everybody's consciousness to beyond being a, a thing that people might talk about to a thing that pretty much everybody was talking about, in, I imagine, around the world. Mm. First question related to that, emotionally, how have you managed yourself? Because you're going to react as a, as a human being. You're going to react to someone from the Jamaican community. You're going to react to someone who's set up an educational organisation. But you've also got to react to someone who's a leader of something. So just on, on that front, how have you managed that, I imagine because I've been on the roller coaster and it's, I'm not involved in any of these things directly at all. How have you managed that? And then I'll ask you the, the follow-up question. Yeah, there's layers. And I think before anything, the black curriculum has just been top of the agenda. Sometimes I do neglect myself and who I am as a person to make sure this thing happens. And, you know, in hindsight, if I could have done things differently, I would have slowed down a lot last year because I just wanted us to be in a good position and I think by December, I realized that I was emotionally very burnt out by just a lot of the demand and attention that had come towards us. So whilst a very, you know, super moment for the black curriculum and also arguably my career as well, it's also how can I sustain this as a person, right? So I think in hindsight, I would have just taken a little bit more time. Um, but now I'm at a place where I do kind of lead with myself first, but also making sure that the black curriculum's goals and health is there too because as a mid-sized nearly three-year-old organization there's so much it's almost kind of weighing up the balance of how do we get this to a point that it's sustainable but also make sure that we're looking forward to the future and I think just offsetting some of that sometimes is very challenging but with the right support I have a very good advisory board very good team and mentors as well, very good mentors and coaches who have helped support me. So, yeah. And you've touched on the future. Um, I guess my next question is, how hopeful are you that this really is a change point, a moment of change, and that mm. that change is real and deep and of substance, rather than everyone goes, okay, good, we've ticked the box of doing education around black history and this and that. And other people are saying, yes, and we've looked at our EDI strategy and we've now ticked that box too. Are you hopeful that it will be real and meaningful change? That's a good question. I think there is definitely hope. I know that the Black Curriculum's goals will be realised and I think that can only continue and happen and be sustained through people who have the right intentions, which ultimately is about young people. It's not, you know, to tick boxes or to you know give the idea or the the semblance that things are happening but it's more about producing a society where young people actively are engaged with their learning and I think at the heart of that if that isn't in your mind then it will become just a tick box exercise so I am hopeful but I think it has to be you have to reflect a lot I think we're always moving always moving and always on to the next thing and I think without that time to really process what we're doing and why we can fall trap to making this just a thing. But I'm, I'm hopeful. I think we have the right context and the right team. And 
good supporters out there who will continue lifelong to continue to support the mission. So I'm absolutely hopeful it will bring a tangible change. Mm. I can see in your eyes as well that you know that's a, that's the question, isn't it? That's a serious question. Yeah. And that isn't an easy one. And we're I'm hopeful too, but we've got to keep our eyes open. Yeah. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank Just before you. I let you disappear, what's your song <laughs> choice and why have you chosen it? Well, initially, I was going to say Herbie Hancock, um, Watermelon Man, but I, I love the song. But I feel like, given what we've just been speaking about, the black curriculum, Marcus Miller's We Were There is a lot more apt because I think it represents the African diaspora and collective memory. And that's what we're about. It's about bringing history into the now. And that song is just perfect. That was Marcus Miller with We Were There, the song choice of my brilliant business shaper today, Lavinia Stennett. She talked about sacrifice and why she stopped thinking about herself and why she had to focus on the thing in front of her, which meant a lot of personal sacrifice. She talked about being part of the ecosystem, about thinking beyond herself and into the wider world. I like problems, she said, and I think it's critical that founders of businesses like problems. And finally, incredible, really, for such a young person, she talked about the importance of reflecting a lot. And that reflection is where the answers often lie for the biggest problems that we all face. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.